from St. Petersburg and Brooklyn. This is She's in Russia. I'm Lily. And I'm Smith. Okay. Um, I was taking care of a friend. Everything's fine. But I was not able to be on this episode. So Smith interviewed our special guest herself. Who is who? Right. So I interviewed um, this man named Bulat Kalilov, who is the co-founder of A Red Recordings, which is an ethnographic recording label where they uh, do field recordings of traditional music. Predominantly so far it's been in the Caucasus, but the intention I think is to expand to other parts of the world. Um, and he co-founded A Red with Timur Kozokov. Right. Um, do you want to just start by introducing yourself and your organization? Yes, it's, it's simple. We uh, There is a two of us, Timur Kadzoka and me, Bulat Khalilov, who is running the record label, ethnographic record label, or Red Recordings. Uh, the goal of Red Recording is to travel around the Caucasus, North Caucasus, South Caucasus, uh, South of Russia and the world to make a field recordings of traditional and local music uh, to make research on it and to release mm -hmm. it in internet and on the physical uh, formats like vinyls, cassettes and so on. Oh, cool. We don't have uh, ethnographic or anthropology, anthropological background. We came from black metal, uh, experimental music, avant-garde and so on. Uh, as a listeners, and then little by little became to ethnography. We call ourselves uh, like DIY ethnographers. <laughs> we explain that transition a little bit. Like you guys were playing in a band together, and then how did you become more interested in folk music? I'm uh, I'm not musician. I'm a journalist. Uh, yeah. And Timur, he's yes, he's playing on guitar, and now he's playing on the traditional instruments too. I met Timur on one very bad concert in Nalchik. He was playing with his friends terrible music, like a classic rock. I hate <laughs> classic rock, and he hated too. So, our first meeting was like uh, we was hate each other after <laughs> first meeting, but. Then we start to discuss and understand that we both like uh, experimental music and uh, some like radical uh, extreme metal. And we start to talk with his uh, future wife. Now she's his wife. They uh, was playing, not the band, but some project. They was trying to make a, like ambient or post-rock project on mm. on the Alistair Crowley poems. And I was like uh. sort of producer. We didn't finish. I don't remember why. <laughs> we didn't finish this project. But we start to think what we can do together. And with Timur, we find the Vincent Moon. It's a French filmmaker who travel around the world and make films about traditional and uh, sacred music of the different uh, cultures of the world. But as, as we, he start not from anthropology, but from indie music. He was recording 
bands like Sigur Ross, Vampire Weekend, Beirut, and so on. And then he became to to film traditional music. So he was he was a sound engineer. He was a filmmaker. No, he was recording sound too, but mostly. Uh, it's like a visual poetry for him, like uh, something between visual anthropology, experimental filmmaker making, and uh, sound art. Okay. And we invite him, uh, the girl Elena Sachnova from Voronezh. He invite him to, or she invite him to, to Russia, and we invite him to Caucasus. We was like a producers. And I was traveling with Vincent Moon and around the Russia for two months and a half. Wow. And uh, he teach me how to record in the field. And Timur became the like sound engineer. We both working on the local radio. Mm, okay. So after we finished this project, and it was very successful in Nalchik, when where we are from, we start to think what we can... We understand that we didn't record all the music or we didn't go deep enough into our own culture. So we start to think what we can do, what will our next step. And we decide to make our own project and that's how our Red Recordings start. First question I have, you're both from Nalchik? Mm-hmm, yeah. Can you explain where in the Caucasus that town is? It's the uh, capital of Kabardina Balkarian Republic. It's mm-hmm. in the Russian part of North Co- of Caucasus. Mostly there is uh, two ethnic groups. It's the Kabardians. Kabardians it's a, it's a part of Circassian ethnic and Balkarians. Balkarians are Turks, not Turks, but Turks. The language is Turkish. I see. Mm -hmm. Through this project with this film director, you started getting more interested in uh, recording like local music and and folk music. Was that something that was really present in your life as a kid? When I was a kid and uh, when Timur was a kid, we was hate folk music because here, if you are not ethnographist or you are not old men who perform this music. In media, media people, uh, how to say, it's only pop music. It's like a quasi-folk music or pseudo-folk music that mass media reflects and propagates it. Uh, and we didn't face to real traditional music, and that's why we was kids fans of uh, like extreme music. We was hate our own culture because we didn't meet her. I see. There is a one a man who changed our point of view on, on this. In Adigeya, it's a republic near Krasnodarsky Krai, near Sochi, where Kabardians, it's a Eastern Circassians, and in Adigeya, there is a Western Circassians. And there is uh, Zamudin Guchev, man who organized Zhu. Zhu is uh, it's a traditional Circassian music band. And we found his recordings and we met him. And this was for us like we are listening underground music, 
but it's our own, like it's our own culture. The true traditional music was impact us very strong. And then we mm. met Vincent and it's changed. We understand that traditional music have more relations with, let's say, independent culture or avant-garde culture, not with the pop music. Right. Is is that because it's localized? It's because it's if we are talking about pop music in like in the bad way, pop music it's always pay much attention on what listener will think, how he will like it, how to sell it. But traditional music it's made not for listeners, firstly, but for like just it's became naturally it's it's not for selling or, or something so it's out of any formats uh, and it's like more i can say true and it's more free in artistic uh, term so i think it's closer to like let's say art than some commercial music Mm, that's interesting. But okay. I'm not against commercial music. Some very good music can become commercial. For example, traditional music can become commercial too. But the principle that we have, we will happy if we will we will uh, have a, a great commercial success. But we are not working for this. If we are we are trying just to like record and share. Uh, the good music if it will commercially successful it will be great if not we don't care that makes sense okay yeah i guess kind of on that note then i i want to learn more about the music itself uh one of the first questions i sent you is what are some main i mean i know you focus primarily on caucasian folk music so what are some of the main themes of themes of caucasian music and maybe if you know, how do these themes differ from mm -hmm. those in other parts of Russia? Uh, firstly, I want to say, if we're talking about culture and if we're talking about it deeply, there is no Caucasians and there is no Caucasian music. There is a lot of different ethnic groups and nationalities which are well, because they are neighbors, they have some connections and some similarities. But I don't think uh, that we are the same, that there is some Caucasians. Mm. That, that's an outside distinction. Yes, yes. It's like, uh, like Europeans, you know, but maybe between Europeans, more similar things than in Caucasian. There is... Circassian traditional music, there is Azeri traditional music, there is like Balkarian traditional music, and they have some similarities, but they are not the same. So, mm -hmm. uh, so every music of every ethnic group have some specific sites, some specific topics. For example, uh, music of the Gestanian people uh, more oriental music of Ossetians, Abkhazians, and Circassians are more, in terms of sound and c construction, they are more European. Okay. And uh, if you take the themes of uh, 
songs and melodies in the Western Caucasus for Abkhazian, Circassians, Circassians. It's more about epic songs and songs about past, like about heroes of the past, about Russian-Caucasian war, and so mm. on. If you take uh, Chechen music, traditional music in Chechnya and in Ingushetia, it's uh, more preserved in uh, religion. So it's more about Sufi rituals. Okay. If you take Dagestan, there is some songs about Russian-Caucasian war, some love, love songs, and there is a big influence from Iran and uh, from uh, Azerbaijan. Okay. It's completely different from other parts of Russia because in other parts of Russia there is other uh, ethnic groups and nationalities. Do the instruments vary across the Caucasus as well? If you take Western uh, Caucasus, uh, Ossetians, Abkhazians, Circassians, Bulgarians, it's mostly like violins, mm, fiddles, okay. fiddles. Mm -hmm. And there is a polyphonic singing. Uh, if you take... Um, oh, sorry, what is polyphonic Polyphonic, singing? it's uh, many voices, like choirs. Uh. In, in Dagestan, there is more uh, solo singing. And there is more Eastern Oriental instruments, like saz, like baglama. It's a Turkish and Azeri instruments. It's stringed also? Yeah, it's a strings. It's like uh, something like a Oriental guitar. Ah, uh, okay. For Ossetian culture and for Chechen culture, balalaika is very famous too. Do you think that we could listen to some music? Um, okay, I can. Maybe some examples of the ones you're talking about. For example, there is uh, a circassian flute. Uh, it's play in very traditional way. It's like you take it not to your lips, but to your teeth. Okay, and is the flute made of wood or of metal? Uh, in traditional, it was made from uh, some grasses, but uh, after it started to make from iron. Ah, okay. Recording from, uh, from our last release that we okay. record on the Red Bull M Music Moscow Festival. And, I'm oh, sorry, remind like what region it comes from? Uh, it's uh, Adigeya, it's... Uh, Circassian, Western Circassian uh, culture.
kind of like sad or lonely sounding a little bit. Yes, it's a melody. It's a ritual melody to find the body in the river who the pe- oh. person who drowned. Whoa! Wait. So that's a common um, song that they'll play when this happens, or it's a specific event that happened. It's when somebody is died, it's drowned into the river, and uh, people can't find his body. The <sighs> player was uh, walking through the river and playing this melody, and by the legend, when he came to the place where the body is laying. Uh, accidentally, he stopped the plane because some magic happened. And there is, I send you the other uh, link. You will understand the sound of traditional violin and the polyphonic singing. Also Circassian? Yes. Okay, so in this one, there's like a primary man that's singing, and then there's also the choir, right? Yes, this is the traditional uh, way of uh, circulation, and even the, in Ossetian culture, the structure are uh, similar. And there is something uh, really uh, another. I will show you some music from Dagestan. Okay. This is Lesgi music. Lesgi is uh, one of the ethnics of Dagestan. Ah, all right. And, and what instrument is being played? It's uh, in Turkey, they uh, call it Baglama. In Azerbaijan, they call it Saz. 
In Dagestan, they call it Chungur. about the like polyphonic singing how is that organized who's who decides who's the lead singer is it is it more of a band than i might think or like they're practicing on a regular basis it's it's depends some uh, times it's like uh, naturally organized for example uh, there was sometimes we was just eating drinking accidentally somebody start to sing and the others start, start to make this uh, like choir. Mm. Other times somebody say, hey guys, I want to sing this melody, uh, this song and uh, make a choir for me. 
So there is no, not like roles uh, that you make this, you make this, but they like the people organize themselves uh, naturally. It's like it's not the academic music when there is a first voice, second voice, voice you need to make like this. There is a big space, big room for improvisation. That's why we are uh, practicing field recording, not studio recording, because, friendly speaking, we are not recording only music, but firstly, uh, audio audio situation where the music happens. That makes sense. Um, it seems for the most part that the folk music, at least that you record, is by men. Do women also sing folk music and play instruments? It's a popular question. No, there is a lot of uh, women who sings. Let me show you some women singing from Dagestan, but from uh, Lak people. Lak, it's an ethnic group. <laughs> What instrument is that that they're playing? Uh, it's uh, like a, just a drum. Mm, like a tambourine kind of, right? There's some metal in there. Well, like this, yes. So oh, there, we have see. some recordings when they was using as a drum just uh, tables or something. Like it's mm. not a musical instrument usually. I see. Um, so in the way that women versus men organized like you, you kind of said that with the men you'd be sitting around eating drinking and then it, it might occur naturally that people would want to sing is the setting similar for women for when groups of women start singing or is it different uh usually when we record uh, women uh, women it's only women in the space there is just a few recordings when we have like mixed uh, women and men so, and when they sing together, there is no, like, a structure. I think that uh, tradition and traditional music, like I say, tradition of life and traditional music, they are related, but not the same. In traditional music, there is more freedom than in everyday tradition. So there is some, uh, like, some genres or styles that sings only women or only men, for example. And there is, if we're talking about uh, religious music, uh, usually it's not mixed. It's only women or only men. None, they, mm -hmm. they are not uh, like uh, cross. But when it's not religious music, 
there is no something like uh, you can't do it you can do this it doesn't work like this it's it's all happens uh, very spontaneous right so are the themes of the songs that the women sing similar to the male or are they completely different it depends on uh, what culture and what region we are talking about for example in Circassian culture, we about women singing, we record mostly religious music. But when we record ancient epic sagas, it's mostly men. But in old archives, we can find the women who sing the epic songs too. Mm. And there is some like Soviet songs, that women songs or men songs. But there is no strong separation so soviet songs have been um adopted like as folk music even to today you think yes because uh, soviet ministry of culture and soviet ideology was trying to like build new identity so they make their own aesthetic and there was a program like to make a soviet identity so mm-hmm. they made some, on the traditional basis, basis, they built some, you can say, pseudo-folk or near-folk music uh, with the Soviet uh, pop standards. And now, after so many years of being in this culture er- area, some or most of people identified these Soviet songs as a traditional. Well, okay, so when these songs were originally made by the state, were they made um, in the tradition of the, like, location they were for, or were they just for the entire USSR and then they were adopted and changed? I think it originally was made for change. Everything has the same basis, because you always, when you record, some uh, when we record uh, music, we always listen. Oh, th- this might must be Soviet song because they, it sounds very Soviet. But mm-hmm. sometimes uh, the performers don't see this uh, like that. This, this this is a Soviet song. They don't uh. have a reflection on it. So it's I think it was like uh, very Soviet, but. It was in the traditional culture, these songs, and they beco- became like demi-traditional, demi-Soviet. Ah, I see. Do you have uh, any examples of that? Yes, yes, I can send you. And there's these traditional, or these like Soviet songs, are they sung in Russian or they're sung in the local language? Some songs in Russian, but mostly it's uh, in local language. Now I will show you Abkhazian Soviet uh, song.
And and what's the like general theme of it? Like, what are they singing about? Most of Soviet songs are uh, love songs. It's a song about guy who whose name Azamat. Uh. There is some songs, the patriotic songs about how our land or our village or something like this are beautiful. In Soviet time, there was some anti-Soviet songs too, uh, especially it's popular in ethnic groups who was departed from in the 20th century, you know, into Siberia right. and, and Kazakhstan. Uh-huh. Okay. And do those, are those songs still sung? Like, did they persist? Yes, they, they, I can't say they are very popular because, you know, it's like a trauma and people don't sing it too much, too many times. But uh, we record some of them with some, for example, Chechen song when the old uh, woman damned Stalin and uh, wished him all the curses and uh, bed in this world and something like this. And some Kalmykian songs, Kalmyks was the part two. There is some songs about this too. Uh, so so it's explicit, like they say Stalin's name and, and explicitly yes. like renounce him. Ah, interesting. Do you, do you have any of those recordings? Mm, okay. Lamar letter to Yelohi, I'm wondering, I guess in my mind, I, I sort of thought that folk music was like, all the songs were very ancient and came from long ago, but it seems like these songs are actually fairly recent. It's, it's a stereotype that we was come to traditional music with this stereotype that we will mm-hmm. record only ancient music. For example, in the very, very beginning, we was thinking 
we will not record Christian or Islamic songs, only the traditional music, it's only pagan music because uh. then we will start to work and understand that it doesn't work like this. There is no <laughs> purity. You can't find any purity. Uh, so the Islam and Christianity and the other culture impact the traditions very strong and it's not bad. It's it's not good, it's not bad, it's just uh, how it works. And then we was thinking, oh, we will record only traditional music and pre-Soviet music. Soviet Union uh, destroys our culture, so we will ignore Soviet period. And then we record this Abkhazian ensemble that was really beautiful. It was amazing. And we was thinking, fuck, what we will do with our conception? And we understand that now our conception is very open-minded. We are not preserving the heritage of ancient ancestors. No, we are recording and we are not recording old music. It's not, we, as we understand, it's not the old music. It's traditional. It's, when we say old, it's like something that only for old men's. You know, no, it's not mm -hmm. like this. It's we think it's sounds uh, and about the its conception of traditional music. It's very modern. It's very um, contemporary. It's it's very free. So it reflects every periods of life of history of uh, different ethnic societies. So the strongest characteristic of traditional music is vitality, not the ancientness, but the, there is something ancient. The principles, they are very ancient, but the themes, the melodies maybe, they maybe not come not from very far. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I guess, I, I mean, I, I sent you this question um, in my head, I kind of assumed, oh, folk music is like a dying medium. Uh, having heard what you just said now, do you think that's, is that a true thing? Like globally, maybe not just in the Caucasus, but globally, is, is folk music a, a dying medium or, or it just adapts in a different way? Some, uh, if we will talk about folklore, not folk music, but folklore, like tales, like, like, let's say, mythological way of understanding of life, mythological mm -hmm. way of thinking. It's uh, vital. Maybe you and me have mythological uh, way of thinking, but we have uh, new myths, new archetypes, and so on. If we will talk about folk music, or I like the traditional, the ter I don't like the term of folk music. What means oh, folk? Okay. Folk, it means... Uh, music of people, yeah? And who is the people? It's all very colonial, you know? When aristocracy or some, for example, European comes to Africa and records some, like, ancient tribes or aristocrats in Europe uh, researching the music of simple people. It's very... It's not natural. It's very ideological. So I'm not yeah. sure about the term of 
folk, but traditional and local. But every term is bad. But we are people, we, we use the words. Words are unperfect, but we don't have any other instruments. So we say traditional. And in some regions, some uh, ethnics, uh, traditional music is dying. Maybe somewhere is dead. Because of commercial music or, or other reasons? Because of, for example, uh, of commercial music, of government. If people have a very low level of life, they trying to survive. Uh, usually they don't care about the heritage, about the music. So, uh, but sometimes very low uh, level of life make you uh, like influence to make music. It's, it depends. But in some uh, parts of the world, because of cultural politics, because of uh, language politics, of government, because of uh, like business and commercial music and many, many other elements, it's dying or maybe dead. But, but even if tradition is, is dead, you always can find the old archives and revital this music. Mm. Like it's not the tomb, it's not a, a cemetery and it's not a museum. It's a, always it's a process. And the thing we are trying to make in the Arad recordings is to support traditional musicians and music because uh, because we like this music. What what do you think happens like what you're doing is you're recording something that's uh maybe like very localized or very specific to a, a given culture or a community or even maybe town and you're recording it and you're putting it on the internet for anybody to consume. Do you think something happens in that process like do you think that uh the perception of the music by an outsider does something to the music itself or do you think it's a purely positive uh, no it's not not only positive there is a negative moments too and maybe by some steps a red recording a red recordings is destroying traditional music maybe because uh, traditional music is anonymous it's work like this. Nobody knows. No, nobody mm-hmm. trying to remind who is the author of traditional uh, melody or lyrics, and it become like folk, yeah, like the, the traditional. And when we record something and put it in the internet, we put a lot of details when it was recorded, where. Uh, in which situation and who made this song or who is singing and we made we like putting in the internet some etalons and it's not good because traditional music are free and we when we are put some etalons the other new generation of performances maybe will uh, sing in the way we record and it's not good maybe we record something not very traditional and they will some new performers will copy our mistakes mm-hmm. uh, and some i don't uh, like the exotization but when we 
for example, we made a lot of concerts and DJ sets and so on in Moscow, in St. Petersburg. When we make like this, for sure the most of our listeners in Moscow don't understand the background, the lyrics and so on, and they exotized these songs. They listen, it's like, wow, cool, it's so weird. I'm, I'm fi- I find some weird sounds, it's cool. And maybe it's not good, but uh, what to do? To let this music die or what? So there is some negative moments in our, uh, or not moments, but results in our activities. But mm-hmm. I hope the positive things are stronger. When some outsiders pay attention on the some local music, local musicians start to believe that their music are good. And when, because of outsiders, we uh, became able to pay the musicians, they start to practice more in music because they understand, wow, somebody pays me for this music. I need to remind more songs. Because of a regular job, this performer wasn't able to perform and he started to forget a lot of songs. But we mm-hmm. came, we record him, we take him to the some festival, for example, for experimental music festivals with some uh, DJs, with some electronic music. And he see a lot of young guy from outside who who listen to him and after this show organizers pay him and he understand that this maybe there is some exotization not maybe for sure there is some bad exotization but with exotization there is some respect to this music so it's it's a positive moment mm, yeah do you think that I'm just, I'm trying to think about if um, kind of this desire to preserve things, like as you're doing with the recordings or like maybe how museums work or, or different ways that humans preserve things, has that, do you think that's escalated with the internet, that the desire to preserve has grown grown stronger or just the mode in which we preserve things has changed? Uh, I think maybe, maybe I didn't understand your question till the end. You, you will tell me after I will answer. I, <laughs> I think uh, the internet and the modern uh, things and methods this is the best way to preserve the, like, let's say, old or authentic uh, things. Only because of internet, we found our traditional culture. Only because of modern tools, we have a way to record it in the original way. Not like we have uh, uh, recorders and internet spaces when we put the original sound without any cutting, you know? For example, when uh, in Soviet time the ethnographers was recorded, they was have lack of uh, tape. They was thinking what to record, what to not to record. When uh, they was uh, released on the vinyl or cassettes, they have limited which songs we will t- take to record. For example, there is 
some epic songs, for example, 20 minute song or 40 minute song, and you can't release it in old time on the vinyl or on the radio or on the tape. And today, because of internet, we can do whatever we want. We can respect the authentic forms of performing music and we can put it uh, in the internet in the original format so i think the only thing that will save this music it's the internet mostly hmm. okay yes i think you understood my question thank you um I, I don't really have any other questions for you if there is any other music that you had in mind that you wanted to play um we can do that now mm-hmm. okay let me think Something very, very different. Let me show you some Chechen Zikr. It's a Sufi ritual. It sounds very powerful. Okay, and what is the ritual for? It's like for different things. They, the Sufis in Chechnya make it for the funerals, for birthdays, for some important things, for some important celebrations. meditative or something or lulling it's it's a meditative yeah they they fall into trends while mm. they sing in it i think that we've covered everything this was really nice this is the first like music interview thing we've done and it's it's really nice to listen to things thank you it was interesting for me too oh good 
I was talking on a lot of things during this project, but like it's interesting when you're not just thinking but talking about this thing with somebody, the new ideas became to your mind. Yeah, yeah. Okay, thank you so much, Blah. Thank you too. Mm -hmm. Bye. See nice you. to you. See Bye. You soon. Bye. That's the episode. Thanks for listening. Please be sure to check out uh, a red recordings on Bandcamp. The link is in the episode description. Uh, as always, follow us on Twitter and Telegram at She's in Russia. Sign up for our monthly image-based newsletter at she's in russia.com support us on patreon at patreon.com slash she's in russia and we'll see you next week with svataiva yay poetry right? mm-hmm